How's it going, everyone? Tom here from The Complete Dad. Hope you guys are having a great week and are setting yourself up for a, a successful rest of the week. Um, it's been interesting times here as usual, which will line up nicely with our conversation. Before I welcome once again my illustrious friend and partner, Joshua Laycock, I just want to ask you guys to do us a favor. We don't ask favors very often, but please share this podcast with whoever you think will benefit from it. If you're listening to it, no doubt you, you are getting some benefit from this. Also, if you are, hit us up on Instagram or hit us up wherever you are and let us know what you think and give us some feedback. That's cool as well. And then last advertisement is we've just kicked off our Complete Dad Foundation Builder course in our community, the Complete Dad Network. Really excited to be getting going there. Um, have some excellent men joining us on the journey and beginning this with us. So if you're interested in that and building this community with us, check us out on Mighty Networks at the Complete Dad or as I said, at the Complete Dad on Instagram, there you'll see all the details and the links. So, Joshua, how is it going, my friend? Going awesome, as always, brother. It's good. It's, uh, I feel like I always start with a weather update, which is like so Canadian. German. <laughs> I think Very maybe, maybe as well, it's universal. Actually. Yeah, we were down to like minus 20 yesterday, which I love that stuff. Like, mm. you know, and this is, this is kind of like to jump right into it. I was talking to my son about this. We went on a bit of a drive. I was, I could tell he was needing some one-on-one time away from his sister and stuff. And he's like, you know, dad, it's really cold, but it's really beautiful. And I was like, yeah, man, the colder it gets, there's no clouds. It's beautiful. Mm. It's blue. It's sunny. It's stunning. You know, you just put on an extra layer and you're good. And he's like, it's like the colder it gets, the harder it gets, the better. I'm like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's only like minus 10 or something here right now, but it's only. good. It's, it's, no, it's a proper Canadian winter and I love it. And uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really good. It's interesting because I realized that um, I obviously spent too long in Germany when I described five degrees as warm, <laughs> you know, when no, it's five it's... degrees and I'm like, yes, I'm going to go for a run now. Oh, it's a warm morning. You know, when it's below minus, then I'm like, okay, got to get the scarf over the mouth so that I'm obviously not breathing in icicles into my lungs. But other than that, it's kind of perspective, right? And it's kind of how you condition yourself to be, you know, because when I was in South Africa, you know, we don't, we have weather, but we don't have weather like, yeah, we don't have seasons almost, you know, you get 26 degrees Celsius days in the middle of summer and generally winter will be between 12 and 18 degrees. So you don't even have heating in the in the house or whatever. So when you move to Germany, it's it's quite an interesting experience. It's exciting at first because you're like, wow, this is great. But then you start to realize it's quite different. And then slowly but surely, as you start to condition yourself to be in the cold and do hard things, um, it becomes easier. And you stop seeing, like I said, five degrees in Cape Town is like, wow, it's a freezing cold day. The snow's on the mountain somewhere far away and the wind's coming in. In Germany in winter, like five degrees is a warm day. And so... I kind of suppose that's like an allegory or something for how we are as, as dads and men, right? Like when you push yourself to a certain limit or you push yourself to experiencing certain things, for instance, taking cold showers, you get out of the sh- a cold shower on a, on a cold day and you feel warm where someone's getting out of the warm bath, freezing their ass off. Yeah. Well, and, and look, I mean, the cold is no joke, right? I mean, <clears throat> when I was out the other day and it was minus 20, you can hurt yourself. Like I've, I've made those mistakes as a young father trying to get my kids out and enjoy the weather. And you really got to pay close attention because they will get frostbite and frost. And if yeah, I learned yeah. that from my time as a ski patroller and, you know, doing a lot of work outside in the bitter cold. Um, but it's funny, you know, it's bundling up and, and the, the, the folks next door, they're going through some health challenges. It's an older couple. So I, when the snow came down a couple of days ago, I had my 
giant driveway cleared off, but I always go next door and I clear off the neighbors and, you know, just, just to kind of do what I can do. But it's funny, I popped in, I had my earbuds in and I was, I was dressed properly, but I had my earbuds in and I was listening to Endurance, you know, the Shackleton story. Dude, I love that book. And I'm listening to them like freezing to death Yeah. and I'm out there plowing and I'm feeling warm because I'm listening (laughs) to what they're dealing with. And it it is like, I mean, like I said, I don't want to minimize like the cold is no joke and the heat is no joke. But I think a huge amount of it's in your head. So I had just sort of forgotten that I was in this like minus 15 range out there for a couple hours clearing snow because I'm listening to these guys <laughs> trying to track down seals and stay alive yeah. and stuff. And I just kind of forgot that I was cold, which is which is awesome. So you just it's I mean, how many times? Right. It's it's mental. It's the Goggins model. It's uh, provided you take care of yourself. I mean, even in the middle of the race, I remember when I was running a Spartan beast, which was my longest. I mean, I'm, I was an offensive lineman in football. My job was to hit things a foot in front of me. Whatever that means. Um, fast, um, yeah. American football, big fat yeah. guy standing on the line, banging people. Were you a fat um, guy banging people? That's my job. Really? That's your job? It's my personality. You know, my coach is like, you know, <laughs> for three seconds, hit the guy in front of you as hard as you can until someone blows the whistle, then stop. Like, I can handle that, sir. That sounds, that sounds um, cool but I was doing a beast and it was like 20 something kilometers and it was all in my head. It's all in your head. So. Mm, yeah. hundred percent. But anyways, a little bit of a book, uh, book review or book promotion. If you haven't read endurance, you need to read endurance. Um, it's by Alfred Lansing, I think is the author. It is yeah. an incredible real true life um, story of Ernest Shackleton um, in the South pole in Antarctica and how it just went awry when their boat got stuck in in the um, ice the boat's called endurance which is which is the interesting part doesn't really endure does it i don't want to spoil too much of the story but the boat's not very endurant when it comes to pack ice just like putting pressure onto it too much but the incredible story that that really made me realize when you read it you just cannot actually believe that these men are making it through it and it's all from accounts from diaries and letters and things that the real guys wrote themselves and then obviously firsthand accounts but Reading books like that definitely puts things into perspective. And we were speaking about it the other day about Goggins, you know, not all of us are going to go hard like that and and need to be like that. And especially as dads, I think we obviously got to be reasonable. And that kind of, we touched on it yesterday when I wrote you and said, Josh, I'm challenging you to go and do something way harder than probably you're going to do in this year, because then it makes every other workout look small. So I went and did that because actually I am at the point where I know I can actually handle doing a a swim, bike, run, and a workout in the same day because I've done triathlon. So clearly I can do it. It wasn't so comfortable, but I also love that because I've been getting up early in the morning and that's how I've conditioned myself to be like that. But, you know- And I we, shut you down. Yeah, you did shut me down. You shut me down. I had to, you know, and that was, it's not yeah, easy it's important. It's to important. shut you down. Like I see the text and I'm like, that's a great challenge. I love yeah. being challenged like that. But it was like, no, man, I'm starting- I'm starting so many different things right now. It was my last day of vacation. My back is not feeling so hot. And I, unfortunately, I just kind of had to be that kind of grown up that said, that's just not in alignment with what I need right now. And that's tough sometimes as a guy, especially when one of your bros are like challenge, man, you have to sometimes be like challenge, not accepted. I hear you, bro, but I can't, you know, well, it depends, man. It's I like can... you, if you've challenged yourself and that's why you were able to do it. If nobody, if you're not challenging yourself or if life's not giving you challenges, then you need someone to come and kick your ass and throw something into your path like that because you actually need a wake-up call. You know, for me, it was like the beginning of the year. I was like, but but as, as you said, I set that challenge for myself. That's where I'm at. And you've set the challenge of getting your, you know, getting your degree or your master's, I think it is, 
in psych where you've you obviously got a big commitment, obviously your own health issues that you've had before by going too hard, too fast. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, but the thing is you are, you are your own person. And I think it's very important to be self-aware. We use that word again, it's self-aware, but respecting and being honest with yourself, because at the end of the day, you will still, even though I said it to you, I know that you still thought about it honestly with yourself and you need to be in yeah, the yeah. position where you go, okay, I shut Tom down on that, on that challenge. Did I shut him down because I'm lazy? Did I shut him down because I don't want to do the work? Am I shutting him down because I'm compromising or am I shutting it down because it isn't in line with my personal goals and with my priorities and my core values right now? And then you can say to yourself, honestly, in the mirror, go, I'm happy, 100% happy shutting it down. That doesn't mean we can't talk about it again and me say to you, hey, what if you include a little bit more cardio? What if we did this? What if you did this? And you could go, okay, well, maybe I could see that, but doing something huge at the moment when I'm going back to work, whatever. I just think that it's important for guys listening to realize that there's a lot of voices out there and a lot of people telling them to do stuff, whether it be their wives, their friends, their colleagues, podcasts, books. And when you start to become more independent, and committed to your process and self-aware and intentional about where you're going and have a vision, clear vision for that, then you can shut anybody down at any place. And it's what um, Tim Grover says. It's like the Idgaf muscle. It's like, I don't give a fuck. You know, I'm <laughs> on my thing. I'm, you, thanks for that. Thanks, Tom, for that thing. But that's not me. I'm, I'm saying no. And he says, we should actually have a not to-do list because so much in our lives, we're saying yes to the wrong things that we think are good. It's like David Goggins writes the book and like, well, now I'm just going to go and freaking do a hundred mile or we read, I don't want to mention names of guys that we know, but you see a program and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this because everyone's doing this. I've done that before. And halfway through the program, I was like, listen, I can do all these things, but I'm spending less time with my kids and I'm not spending time with my wife. And I'm, it doesn't serve me. Work out twice a day. Like I'm, I'm fit enough as it is. And so it's kind of being just, self-aware it's the words from last week it's self-aware yeah. and intentional and then what we'll add to it is this week's topic which is you know being able to do the hard things as well and realize life is not easy and start facing up to the fact that this doesn't end right it's not this goal of like okay i did that yesterday now i'm good or i worked with joshua on these aspects of my emotions i'm good i'm fine it's a continual journey yeah, the, the when when I, I mean, it worked, as you said, because I had something else there because I already knew what I was doing. And, you know, it's funny, I, I've, I've had a lot of friends and mentors talk to me about learning to say no, because I was the master of getting overloaded. Like I, I got overloaded and I still do sometimes in my corporate role, even too, I, you know, it was tough to sometimes say no to things, right? Because you think, oh, a boss asked me to do something. I have to say yes. And I'm learning to say no, and it's made me more effective. But really, when you put it in the perspective of every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And, and as much as I had other things that I was working on yesterday, um, the biggest thing, honestly, that came to mind was this is literally my last day of vacation. I'm not about to say to my family, hey, sorry, guys, Tom challenged me to something. He <laughs> double dog dared me. So I'll see you in four hours. I just wasn't prepared to give that up. And instead it was a day with my, my family and my kids and my wife and hanging out. And, and that was more important to me at the time. And, and lazy. Well, yeah, but <laughs> you got to have a really good excuse to justify the lazy, you know? So no, it, it's, it's good. And I, and I appreciated it. And, but it is, it, it's, but it's because all the other stuff is in alignment, but mm. yeah, let's talk about this. You know, the, it's massively timely this whole concept of like 
when this is over or when is this going to be over? When can I get through this? What's on the, the other side of whatever I'm working on? And people realizing, I don't think there is another side sometimes. <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing. I mean, it's like you were talking about the COVID, unfortunately, again, but that's, that's just part of it, right? It just, we thought we would stop talking about COVID like a year ago. And every time we get on podcasts or we get discussing with a group of guys or we have friends around, it's like, oh, no, we're not going to talk about it. What do we inevitably do? We inevitably talk about it because this thing is just not going away <laughs> yet. Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, regardless of where you stand on, on you know, the topic of, of everything involved, you can't deny the fact that it's a big deal. And the town that I live in, um, just outside of Kingston in Ontario, is getting hit the hardest of any town. I think, the, I think our case count per population per capita is the highest by a significant margin in Canada. And in the province that I live in, we're just getting, we're getting hammered. So the, the government came out. And again, it's not a judgment of whether you agree or not, but it's like yeah. all the schools, my kids are supposed to go back to school this week. All the schools are going back to remote learning. You know, they're shutting down restaurants again. They're shutting down gyms. They're severely limiting. Like we're back to like the shit is actually hitting the fan mode. I can't keep track of all the color coding phase DEFCON levels that they try to do. Um, but, you know, people are really struggling with this. I think there was this expectation of like, and it was a pylon, right? It was like, it's new year. It's after the holidays. People are kind of tired and stressed out. Couldn't wait for the kids to go back to school. A lot of my kids are excited to go back to school. That's one of the things that's really impacting me is the parents are, we're struggling with the fact that for the foreseeable future, you know, my wife and I have to go back to work after a couple of weeks off. We're going to open up today to thousands of emails, but now we've also got a four and seven-year-old running around who aren't in school anymore because virtual doesn't start. They're struggling. And I just think there's a lot of people that are really really struggling this time because there was this really strong expectation that we were through it. Mm. And it was like, we're done. We're checked out. And now it's been thrust on us again. And this is this, you know, I've talked about in our group and I've written about this in the past, about this idea of these false summits, right. Is that we're doing the work. We're scaling the mountain. I love the mountain analogies because it works. And you get to what you think is the top and your mind is ready for like, okay, I'm only like another hundred meters from the top and you get there and you're like, I can push for a hundred meters. And then you get to what you think is there. And then you just realize it's just the first of an unlimited foothills of summits that are staring at you in the face. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that's enough to crush you. It's enough to go. And, and we're seeing it, right? People are just collapsing in on themselves going, I can't, I can't handle 10 more of these. And of course you can, you can, right? When you tell yourself it's the first of many, as opposed to this is my last push, the psychology of that is massive. Mm. But you refer back to endurance, you know, and, and when you read that book, it's just one thing after the other. It's kind of like, you know, an analogy of, of our lives and in a, in a shorter span of time of how these guys just one by one, went over this thing and got from that ice flow to that ice flow, then got in the boats. And then all of a sudden they're going across these massive waves and you think, how could they ever get out of this? And then, do you know what I mean? It's like one after the other, these things happen. And because their survival depended on it, you know, because their life depended on making it through there and not only, and as dad, you know, Shackleton, you can see him as the father figure in the family, if so to speak, you know, he had to, there were times in the book where he really had to 
push down his own fears and he had to step up and he had to keep the hope alive because if he would have become hopeless in those moments, um, things would have gone terribly. It probably, it probably wouldn't have made it. And that's how impactful you can be as a father in your family, at your workplace, or in a community of friends as well, is to be that person that brings that calm and stuff. But I mentioned that word hope, and it's a concept that I've been playing around a lot with. And I posted a video on Instagram the other day of just the dangers of hope. You know, it's quite an interesting thing because hope is always a positive thing. Usually, usually is expressed as a positive positive thing. thing. It is a positive thing because when it's like that situation where it's on your survival, you hope is what keeps you alive because you're like, well, if we give up hope, if Shackleton gave up hope um, and his, his crew gave up hope, that's it. Game over. Everybody dies. Finished. No one goes back to their families. But it's funny when it gets transferred into our day-to-day lives and when we start hoping on those summits, you know, hoping that a goal is going to make us feel better, hoping that this book, and I talk about it often now because I've realized that I've placed my hope in podcast hosts. I've placed my hope in books that I've read. I've placed my hope in supplements before. I've placed my hope in new shoes to run with. I know it sounds crazy, but we place our hope in all these things and hoping that they're going to bring us to the place that we want to be and we're finally going to get their inverted commas. And slowly but surely you realize, firstly, there's no there. Because until yep. you're on your deathbed, there's no there. Death is basically the there. Where you Maybe. lie in your bed and you go, <laughs> I did that well. Well, you know what I mean? Living a life. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I do, that's I do, that's I do. the kind of goal that I would say. If there is a there, it's lying on your deathbed going, man, I spent my life well. I left a legacy. That's what all I think. But there's no there, you know. Like yesterday, I did that hardcore workouts. Okay, I'm here this morning with you again, having to wake up, go shopping, make the breakfast, run around to get on the podcast on time. I'm just back to the same thing again. And today's going to be the same story again. It's not going to be exactly the same, but by but by getting rid of hope in a way and realizing it's an excuse sometimes to not really step up and be who I can be, it makes me much more effective and in, in the moment and present in life because I'm not living for Corona to be over. And that's one thing I've done really well, Josh. I, you know me. I'm an honest guy. I've done a lot of mistakes in my life over the last two years. I haven't dealt with discussing Corona very well with people. Let me be honest with that. I need to work on my communication skills um, and my opinionated, my, my, my opinionated nature sometimes and when I believe in something. As a South African, I've got different views to people. But one thing I did well is I never let Corona disturb my state of mind as far as like doing what I want to do and bettering myself as a person and being resilient and getting my mind right and enjoying the fact that you don't see people as much, you know, and it started, like you said, adding things. I started realizing, shit, I'm hanging out with people way too much. I'm saying yes to too many things because Corona took away the option of saying yes to all these things. Corona said no to me. And all of a sudden I was sitting here on weekends, spending time with my family, relaxed, going to work on a Monday, not feeling like I needed a break from my weekend. You know what I mean? That feeling like you've done too much. And so I used it like that. And, and for me, I'm, I'm, I'm at that point where we probably have to just accept that Corona is going to go on for a long time. And even if it doesn't, there's going to be something else. If you are stressed by Corona and Corona is disturbing you and making you feel hopeless or feel like oh, frustrated, when Corona ends, if it ever ends, if there's a day that they say, well, look, guys, we've beaten this pandemic, which I don't really see coming soon, so I don't even hope for that. Because what's the point? I'm hoping for something I've got no control of, right? So then I'm living in like, yeah. I'm going to be happy then. So, yeah. but even if it is over, dude, there's something house. waiting. There's something waiting around the corner. And there's something, whether it be in the whole world faces it, like we have with this pandemic, where we can at least band together, which you would have thought we would have banded together, but it seems to actually have split people apart. 
Um, or it's in my life with my, my children's health or with my health or with my relationship or whatever I'm facing. It's, it's another mountain. And so when you start to be a mountain climber, you know, mountain climbers climb mountains for fun. They don't have to go to the, to the eight peaks, that guy on the Netflix special, the 14, was it the 14 peaks or what was it? <laughs> 14 summits. That's a great thing. He did that. He did that in seven months because he wants to. And that's where we need Good. to be. We need to become the Shackletons. We need to become these explorers and go, I'm a climber, man. And I freaking love climbing. Yeah. I mean, and I, so there's a couple of things though. Like one, <clears throat> people's experiences through these challenging times are real and they're authentic. Yeah, and however you're feeling as you go through this, like, I'm not going to lie. Like we were feeling a little overwhelmed yesterday. We were looking forward to the kids going back to school yeah. and being able to settle into work. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel frustrated and a little scared. But then, like always, what do you do with it, right? The stoic approach, again, isn't crush the emotion. It's feel the emotion, yeah. understand it, and then do something about it. And like a lot of things, I think words have become cheapened. Like this idea of hope, because it has such a positive connotation, right? No one, very few people speak about hope in the negative. So then, of course, when you're the kind of person who's like, hope is dangerous, you're just this evil sadist. And that's not the idea. I think it's important to like dig deeper. And what do we mean? Right? Like, I love the idea of hope of that. Anything is possible. I have this optimism about what could be. It's a positive state of mind about what has yet to come. To me, that's a really healthy expression of hope. Mm -hmm. yeah. But when hope manifests itself as the rescue party coming to save me. Yeah. That's dangerous, right? When, when hope doesn't mirror reality or when you're abdicating responsibility for the outcome. Like that's like we talked about, right? Like there's so many people like, oh, I hope the pandemic's over by next Christmas. I'm like, but it might not. So don't go there. As opposed to going, I'm optimistic because I know this is going to suck. I've handled it so far. I can handle this. All of this has happened before and all of this will happen again, right? That's a, one of my favorite sort of Marcus Aurelius commentaries. Philosophers have been saying that forever. Hell, even my favorite sci-fi shows based on the premise of all of this has happened before and all of it will happen again. When you can accept that reality of the permanence of impermanence, <laughs> if that makes any sense, right? It's just... It's going to roll. It's always going to happen. Things are always going to change. And sometimes we just have to kind of, it's like surfing. The analogy of surfing, although I've never done it, I know that you, you've been an avid surfer. It's like, there's a little bit that you can control. I can control my balance. I can control my weight. I can control on where I point my board. But beyond that, I'm just kind of at the mercy of this massive ocean whose power is way beyond me. I'm just going to roll with it. And that's kind of how I look at it is just try to surf my way through life instead of freaking out about the power of the wave, just learn to surf. Mm. Yeah. And I concur with the whole feelings thing. You know, we feel the way we feel. And I think suppressing the feelings is different to, you know, kind of managing your feelings, so to speak, you know, we don't want to suppress them. That's what we have the group for, right? So we can come there. We can talk about stuff. That's what I have you for. You have me for, we have our wives in certain circumstances to then discuss how we feel. And fear is a real thing. And I think when we dig, we bury fear naturally that comes out in negative ways as well and then just splurts over everybody in, a, in an uncontrolled fashion 
you know, but eventually you've got to like say, okay, I'm feeling this way. And I said in the podcast on Monday, you know, what action am I going to take? Because we often, a lot of people will then step back and not take action in the areas that they're afraid of. You know what I mean? Okay, there's this pandemic. Okay, what can I do? Well, you know, if I stop eating a lot of shit and I stop drinking too much alcohol and I look after myself and I go for a walk every day and I do the same for my kids and we get fresh air, then if we do get the virus, we're less likely to be significantly impaired by it. You know, so that's just an example using the pandemic as a thing, but it's in all aspects of our life. It's like, oh, financially, what am I going to do? And it's like, well, you freaking out about that and giving into your feeling and wallowing in the feeling instead of being resilient and go, okay, I acknowledge I have this feeling, I'm afraid. Cool. That's the catalyst. That fear is the catalyst to go, well, let's get our finances and thing. Let's see where we can cut corners, what we can do, where we can invest, where we can sell things, where we can maybe invest money in property so that we can get something out of that. Whatever, whatever your situation is, is to not get stuck in that. But the thing, when I go back to hope, it's like, it is a very positive thing. It's a great thing. But the word that came up to me while you were talking is attachment. It's like when we get attached to a result or we get attached to an outcome or a hope and it doesn't work, what does it do to us? It's like, for instance, when you, when you, do, when you go on a course or something to lose 10 pounds and it guarantees it or 10 kilograms in two weeks or whatever it is, and it doesn't work, then, then where are you at? You're like, oh, no, that didn't work again. Or waiting until that day, waiting to New Year's to make our resolutions or waiting until tomorrow when the weather's good, you know, waiting for something good to happen to us instead of being the kind of people that go, all right, I hope that this is happening because I think we all hope, right? I, I am like you. I, I, I'm really excited about sometimes even my weaknesses because it's, it gives me the hope that I'm able to improve and that I'm able to develop. But I don't place my, I don't attach my value to that because when I do and it doesn't happen, and things in the world that I cannot control, as we talk about stoicism as well, don't turn out how I like them, then instead of accepting, I have these expectations. And I always say, like, rather be more acceptance, less expectance. Because when mm -hmm. I'm expecting things to go my way, I'm allowing the world to happen to me. And as men, I really feel like we're given this one chance in life and one chance as dads and husbands to really like be the master of our own ship, so to speak, as much as possible. The waves are going to toss us the, the swells are going to go up, but if we are a masterful, skillful captain who knows the ocean, who can read the stars, who can tell which winds are going to go there, we stand a far better chance of making it through these things instead of sitting in the bowels of the ship, like praying to God and hoping like, oh, I hope we make it to a, a safe port instead of getting up there, the wind's coming, the rain's coming and um, doing our best to get there and, and enjoying it along the way, Joshua. I don't know about you and, and guys listening, you might be at a different stage of your journey, but I've started to embrace the fact that life is hard. And the more I've accepted that life is hard, the easier my life is, or I'm experiencing life. Yeah. I mean, when we abdicate responsibility for the outcome or that control that we, that little bit of control that we have, I think as a society, we're getting really good at inventorying all the crappy things that could happen. Right. I think we're getting really good at saying, well, here's the 17 really horrible things that could happen tomorrow. And then we either stop there or we say, so what are you going to do about this for me? Like even, and again, I keep, I want to keep coming back to it because I made them, I made the mistake of watching this press release yesterday where they were talking about all the restrictions. I don't normally watch the press releases. And although I don't particularly like some of our political leaders, you know, the question period 
all these quote unquote questions were like, well, what are you doing about this? What are you going to do about this? And how can you promise us this? And how can you promise us that? And how can you promise this is going to be better in two weeks and blah, blah, blah. And, and it was just this exercise in abdicating responsibility. So you make the analogy of like the ship captain who can read the waves and read the stars and read the winds. They don't do that so they can turn to their buddy and go, oh, we're fucked. No, they do it so that we can go, okay, what are we going to do? Let's adjust. Let's go over here. Let's find shelter. Let's speed up. Let's slow down. Let's like, what is the point of inventorying all of these doomsday scenarios if you're not going to go, okay, so what are we going to do about it? And, you know, like this, we had a sense that the kids weren't going back to school. Yeah, you said so, actually. So what did we do? We went out and we picked up cheap little Chromebooks for the kids so they have the better tech. We've already set up little workstations for them. Hmm. You know, we're fortunate that we're in that position, but that's what we've done. We've anticipated. Mm-hmm. We're ready to go. You know, and, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that when the storm hits, it doesn't suck, but at least you've been ready for it. And, and that's where I think we need to spend more time is inventorying what we can do inventorying what little adjustments that we can make or how can we set ourselves up for success and then yeah sometimes it's just batting down the hatches and, and carry on but boy we're beating the hell out of analogies today but i think <laughs> this this is where i, I kind of get frustrated is the whole like head in the sand kind of mentality to it and just mm-hmm. waiting for someone to to save us and yeah and we don't say that there's no end to be morbid or to be dark quite the opposite it's like if you if you plan for this to continue plan for whatever it is this weird Mm -hmm. ride of life to continue then you're there doing it and you're enjoying it and you're in the moment and you're actually living Mm -hmm. (laughs) as opposed to just riding it out i'm just i'm sick of riding stuff out I'm sick of seeing a lot of people riding it out and hoping to hell someone comes. Exactly. I'm waiting to do this when this ends. I'm waiting for this when that happens. I'm waiting for this when this girl comes and talks to me. You know, it's it's. I'm waiting for the sun to shine. I'm going to go running when the weather's good. It's like, well, then the weather's good, and then your neighbors rock up. It's like, you can you can't keep doing that your whole life because it's always going to be an excuse. And the worst is when your hopes become your excuses. Like, okay, I'm going to wait till that happens or that book's yeah, going to do it. And because I like that. Yeah. You, can't, you can't do that because it keeps becoming what well, I will do if. It's like, no, do. It's like you wrote said about being your best. It's like, do your best. I'm trying my best. No, don't try your best. Do your Just best. Do and guys, listen, we fuck up. We don't always get there. But at least when we're saying to ourselves in our mind, I'm doing my best, it'll then challenge that, that person inside us and call forth courage. Like that book, you know, called to courage. You know, always courage is calling. I can't remember. I think it's courage is calling by Ryan. Holland. It's like calling. you all have that within you. Every man and woman has that within them to have that courage call and, and to answer the call and go, I'm going to do my best in the situation. It's not going to be the best probably, but it's going to be my best in that situation with whatever I've got at that moment. That might not look heroic, but it might be fucking heroic because sometimes these guys are doing these heroic things, but it's pretty easy for them because everything's been set up nicely. And sometimes your small little thing of taking a deep breath and helping your child that's freaking out about the corona themselves and going to school and might be worried about that themselves and being that rock for them is far more heroic than getting out and doing a 100K run, you know? And so I think we've been fooled into thinking these grandiose things are courage. It's like an everyday thing. 
But it was funny that you mentioned that. And here's an analogy. We just go further. Um, I was driving down the road and we've got heavy rain on. The river is about to bur it's burst its banks already. And we've had a lot of times when people's basements have got flooded down in the valley. I'm on the hill. So obviously I don't personally worry about that. But it happens often. And it's similar to guys that we work with, Joshua. It's like, okay, I've got to, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm cool. I'm, I'm fine. Okay. Now I can just go and do it. And everything's nice to my wife. Everything's good with my family. Bam. Something happens. All of a sudden, tail between their legs again. Like, oh shit, I don't know what I'm doing. Fucking fall off the wagon. It's because when I look at that kind of thing, you have to be ready for the storms. It doesn't mean you have to be a doomsday packager yeah. or whatever they call a doomsday prepper or whatever and have all that stuff, which is not bad either to have like a bug out bag and to be ready for shit going down. Because we've had storms here that have just caught us unawares. But if you know that you're living near a river and the river could burst its banks at any time, you should be prepared to batten down the hatches and cover your basement so that your basement doesn't get filled up and your stuff gets ruined again. And there we go. The whole story happens again, just because the weather's been good lately, because this takes one of those things to fuck up your whole house. And that's what we tend to do. We tend to, and that's the, and that's the cool thing about realizing there's no summit when it's over, because when you realize that you never are complacent and you never are like, well, that storm's gone now for the rest of my life, I'm going to be fine. Or yeah. this relationship with my wife is great, man. We never can have an argument. And this is why, you know, I don't want to go too much into detail, but this is why I encourage guys when they do the work with other men to stick with it and to do it, even when it feels good, because people do courses and they do things and they think this is a once off. And that's why with our course, we say to the guys, Hey, this is a foundation builder course. This is not a course. Come here, change your life, become the best father in the world in eight weeks because you're not even going to scratch the surface. The real work comes into where you build community, where you are having that, that lighthouse, so to speak, in your life whenever you can, where you're banding together, where you build that trust with other people. So when the flood does come or when there's a drought, you have those people in your corner that you have that encouragement, you have that accountability because we do get weak, bro. We do. I mean, let's be honest. Like it makes a we massive get complacent. Yeah. It, it's the difference between worrying and planning. Yeah. Right. I mean, people worry about the winter. Yeah. And I've not always been like this, but this year it's like, okay, I'm in a new town right by the lake. We're probably going to get pounded. I'm further North. What am I going to do? Okay. Yeah. I made sure that all my shovels are ready to go. I made sure that I had tons of salt. I made sure that the new snowblower that I, or the old snowblower that I bought from some guy was ready to go. I didn't wait for the first snowfall to find out if it was going to yeah. work. I prepped it. I was ready to go. Even, you know, Ryan made an interesting post the other day about like, you know, you got to plan for this weather before it comes because yeah, of course. I remember I saw this comedian and it stuck with me. It was funny as hell, but it's true is he said, he, you know, it was this comedian with frenetic energies on stage. And he's like, do you know what the most underpriced piece of hardware is on the planet? A toilet plunger. He's like, nobody proactively buys toilet plungers. When you run into the hardware store at three in the morning and you're like, my toilet's overflowing. I need a toilet plunger. He's like, yeah, it's right over there. It's $300. He's like, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> because we don't plan ahead. Okay, you yeah. know, and, and, but that's it. Like, I, I can't even tell you how many times we had an ice storm and I had to go into the, the hardware store for something completely unrelated. And guys are coming out with armloads full of salt and everything. I was like, you're waiting for the snowstorm to hit before you plan. And that's the difference. I think, 
you know, but you know, and, and sometimes, you know, like I said, so I'm taking this course and I had a moment of a bit of overload. Like it was like, Holy cow. I got so much work to do. I got, I got 12,000 things on my plate and bless her. My wife was like, you're worrying. You're not planning. What are you going to do? What's your game plan? And you're right. It was like, you're right. I got caught up in it. Okay. This is going to be my schedule. This is what I'm going to need. And she's great. She's like, okay, well, we'll make sure that I have, I'll take the kids on these times so that you have this time and communicate when you've got deadlines and we'll, we got this just plan. And then all of a sudden, when you chunk it down, it's completely manageable. Exactly. It doesn't mean that there aren't going to be hard moments and there aren't going to no, be challenges. Yeah. And that's so for the, for the, for the dad listening, because this is the one I love. Well, easier said than done, you know, or easy for you to say, it's like, it is yeah. easy to say. So what do you do? The actionable stuff, right? Is whatever you're worrying about, whatever that thing is that you're worrying about, stop worrying, start planning. Start with your stoic exercises, which is like one, identify what you can control and what you can't control. You know, and I, and I like to do this with like, cause the winter is the analogy for those of you who experience proper seasons, winter's the analogy, right? Like I can't control that winter is coming. It's coming. So what do I do? Plan for it. Make sure I've got my cold weather gear. Make sure my equipment is ready to go. Make sure that my house is prepared for it. Make sure that I got winter tires on the car, which I don't do right now, which is stupid. Um, you know, but plan. Plan and move out of the worrying phase and just have a plan. And inventory it and rock and roll. And you will then have so much hope because then you will realize how much more you're capable of. And when that thing does show up that you don't have any control over, well, you expected that. Oh my God, it's cold out. Oh my God, there's a foot of snow. Right. But you knew that was coming. So don't be excited about it. Confidence. Confidence. It's almost like what came to me is confidence instead of hope. It's like I have hope, but I'm confident. Like I'm confident that I've prepared for this. And you know what? The unpredictable stuff, you just got to accept it. And that's the message that we want to send today is that, guys, it's it's not going to be easy. And the quicker we accept that it's not going to be easy and start preparing for it to be hard and preparing ourselves for it to be hard, the easier, more smooth, and more satisfying life will become. Because when the snow hits or when the flood hits or whatever happens or when there's a bad health in the family or some financial crisis, you have been preparing for that. You've been anticipating that and you've been developing yourself and your systems to confidently deal with these things instead of placing a hope that it goes away or that somehow you come into some money or that the weather changes or that your wife starts to treat you better and stops nagging at you or your kids stop behaving badly. Instead, you go, well, how have I planned to deal with this? Yeah. And something just came to mind because again, the theme of our podcast, you know, and as we're waiting for life to get, to, to get it over with the biggest one that came to mind right now is the phases of our children's development. Yeah. Right. I can't wait for them to stop having to feed every three hours and get me up. And then as soon as they're done that, it'll be easier. Oh, now we've transitioned into their own bed. I can't wait for them to not wake up five times. Oh, no, okay, now we're through that. Now it's something else. I can't wait for them to get out of diapers. Oh, now it's I'm cleaning shit and piss off the floor. I can't wait for that to be over. Oh, now they're this. And like, as we go through the lives of our children, the stages that they go through, if we're always waiting for the next 
thing for this phase to be over with. When they do this, things will be better. You're going to blink and the whole thing's going to be gone. And then you yeah, I don't want... know about you, like yeah. every phase of my kid's life, I've had moments where I'm like, God, I can't wait to be done with this yeah, phase. Man. But then you're done with all the other stuff too. Cause like, you know, I'll go back to it because it's fun and I love it. It's like winter. Yeah. It's cold. Yeah. There's hard work, but there's tobogganing and there's fresh mornings and there's playing in the snow and snowball fights. And along the way, you just have to have a little bit of fun <laughs> mm. and you just have to be there in the moment, enjoying it and not just waiting for it to be done. Cause I think the people who at the end of their lives, who look back, who are unsatisfied, who have regret, they're the ones that are like, I was just waiting for this to be over. Yeah. And on to the next thing, right? Everything's just a stepping stone to the next thing. And I think that's where presence comes in. You hundred percent right. I was saying to my son the other day, I said, you know, it's so weird when I'm doing these triathlons, I do these Xterra triathlons and it's, freaking hard dude it's like someone's you in mud like running up like steep super seriously steep gradients and then you're on your mountain bike and you you know what i mean in a cold lake and while you're doing it you feel like you're almost dying and you can't wait to get to the finish line then you get to the finish line and you're like oh my god this feels amazing and the whole time after that you're missing that suffering i know it's the most crazy thing ever but you miss that suffering that's why you do it again it's like getting a tattoo you're like oh, oh yeah. let's do it. and then you're like Fuck, i want to get another one it's like because because what you need to do, and someone someone was commenting on, it was Tanner Guzzi actually shared a, a response to a Joe Rogan post about, and this may seem a strange connection, but he posted, Joe Rogan was posting a thing about meat and how he takes the meat and he prepares and how it's like almost like a religious experience. And he cuts, and then one guy was, oh, you just explain, ha, oh, you're just explaining like making a meal. He kind of totally didn't get this whole detail thing. And then another guy commented and said, on the Tanagazi thing. And he said, you know, he notices that high performance people pay attention to detail. And I think high performance livers, people, that sounds weird, livers, not the liver, the organ, but people that live, <laughs> high performance, <laughs> like people that have found the essence of life are able to find that beauty and that moment that is special about nearly every everything. So it's banal things like brushing, from brushing your teeth to washing your face to making a sandwich to then the greater things like preparing a beautiful ribeye steak, like we talked about and getting the temperature exactly right. And then that taste like really savoring. And also like with my kids, I've learned to sit back when they're being flippant annoying, take a step back and actually enjoy this chaos that is like in front of me. Sometimes instead of coming in and trying to squash it, I go, you know what, dude, you're going to miss this so much. When your kids are 20, 25, you're going to be sitting in your house and you're going to be probably happy that you get time for yourself but you're going to be wondering what they're doing in that country or how they're doing with this one or how they're doing with their own kids. And you're going to think like, wow, remember those days when there was laughter and loudness and my little daughter runs around. It's so funny. My little daughter runs around our kitchen, like nonstop. Just so sing, is mine. What's with that? Singing. Laps. singing. Yeah. I was making laughs. And I'm like, Hey, this daughter better. And then the hilarious thing is then we go hiking. She's like, it will nicht mehr laufen. And I'm like, now I'm going to say to her, you ran around the kitchen a hundred times. That must've been at least two kilometers. So you can't use that. But it's this, it's this thing, Joshua, like seriously, man, lately I've really started to take stock of myself, slow down. I did a, another post about it. I was like, I was hurrying my kids up the mountain again, going like, come on guys, come on. And then I was like, I stopped and I made a video because I was like, what am I doing here again? I'm missing like this beautiful nature. I'm leaving my son and my daughter behind me, which is not the point because it was New Year's Eve and they were going back to their mom in the evening and I wanted to spend time with them. I thought like, no, man, you're missing the point here, bro. You're missing the point. It's not about getting somewhere. It's about 
community and experience them and looking at their idiosyncrasies and their weirdness and their strange things. And then also their successes and things that do fit in with my expectations. But once again, it's hope, bro. What do we hope for our children? And are our hopes for our children screwing up the moment of actually just enjoying what's happening now instead of, oh, I hope, I hope they find the right high school. And I hope that they make friends with that person properly. And I hope that they um, stop arguing with each other. And I hope, you know, it's like, that's when hope does become a problem when it when it's robs us from being present in the moment like now with you and going man i love it man i get to talk to you like joshua who's like thousands of miles away like every tuesday and we get to talk about our families and talk about these things and then share it with other men that hopefully benefit from it and being able to be here now instead of going okay there's hop us 12 now and obviously we got to have things boxed in time and go and respect time and go well now it's time to end the podcast but while i'm doing it my mind needs to be here and just pulling things out of the world to speak to you about and appreciating what you say as well. And so that attention to detail really struck me and going, that's true. Like people that are really living the life are, are getting those visceral experiences and are seeing the different colors of the leaves and the different textures of the meats. And, you know, are like, and when the more I get into that, the more I pull into my children being the same as that and looking at the different shades of their eye color, like when the light catches them or when they're sitting with the sun behind them. And you know, when they get that halo, little halo effect and their little blonde hair, yeah. well, my kids are blonde. Yeah. Uh, it kind of lights them up and they're in this moment and they're playing and you go, man, you know, where am I? Like, why am I, why is my mind there when I'm here? And so being present, man, and realizing life's not going to get easy. Life's going to be hard, but don't wish away one stage for the other, because then what happens, you end up in the stage you wished for missing the stage you wish that you were getting away from. Well, and, you know, we are living the life, doesn't matter who you are, that someone else is hoping for. Yeah. And I think, you know, hope is fantastic, but you have to, you have to own the hope. You have to live the hope. Yeah. And I loved what you said is don't, use hope as an excuse it has to be your fuel or yeah. else it's not hope i like that you just added to that that's um it's that's, something else and i think bro your, yeah it's sorry carol yeah. no i was just gonna say it, it, it has to fuel you it has to propel you to something greater or it's not hope hmm. or just get you to enjoy the moment you know sometimes like i'm, I'm not I'm that's not greater just, though to I'm me not, that's yeah. greater that's yeah, yeah I, I i agree but often we can get mistaken on that and we think that that's the same thing right i'm going to something greater it's like no dude it's great right now and like i think the problem is and to end off on this is this we have become too comfortable life is has become too easy for us western civilization people it has become too easy i just you know received the package i didn't have to even go buy my children's birthday presents i'm like okay mountain bike shoes they know it. Don't worry. I'm not giving it away if they listen to the podcast. <laughs> but mountain bike shoes, okay, that size done. You know, and with food and everything, it's just I went shopping now. It was just like pick, 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 pick everything perfect, like lovely. You got your organic stuff, and you're shopping, and you just take it for granted. And suddenly we get in a situation where Corona like curtails a few of our comforts of our kids going to a school where people look after them the whole day and teach them while we do our jobs. And you know that's not how it used to be. And so. I think like, again, what my focus of the year is getting back into that primal idea of what primal means and what we used to be for, for 90, 95% of existence for 300,000 years, human beings were hunter gatherers and we lived without any certainty of food on the plate. We lived without certainty of 
of weather cooperating. We lived in a situation that if a tornado came, our whole camp and our souls, maybe our children were taken away. Who knows? Or a flood, flash flood, and the whole family died. So becoming more aware of what it used to be like and reading books like Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian, you just realize how brutal life used to be and how in the last, especially the last 20 years, just how comfortable we've become and how that then sets us up to have expectations instead of going, man, I'm so fortunate to be having food on my plate. I'm so fortunate to be living in a safe house that's got heating. I'm that I'm able to get on the internet and, and find out where I want to go and use my navigation to go on a holiday here or book plane tickets. But because those have become like things we're entitled to and we should have, then we lose them or we lose a few of them. And all of a sudden we don't know what to do with ourselves and our whole life is terrible. Instead of going, hang on, stop counting these things you don't have and start counting your blessings. Yeah. So. Amen. <laughs> awesome, guys. Thanks for listening. As I've said before, please share this podcast and leave us a rating uh, wherever you listen to this, uh, this show. And um, yeah, keep on working on being the complete dad, guys. Every area of your life, every aspect, check it out. Do an inventory of yourself and say, hey, where am I needing to grow still? Where am I succeeding? Where do I need to shore things up? And how am I taking responsibility for myself and my family? So awesome. And and I'll I'll call call a quick audible. I'd also love, go on our social page, go on Instagram. And if there's something that you want Tom and I to riff about, if there's a challenge that you guys are working through, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. One proves that someone's listening. That's kind of fun. Um, But I would love to hear (laughs) what you guys have to say because, you know, Tom and I show up and we talk about the things that are relevant in our lives today. Mm. But, you know, I I can almost guarantee you there's something that you're like, man, I'd love to. And look, we don't know what the hell we're talking about. We're just going to try to riff on it and maybe engage in something that matters to you. So we'd love to hear that feedback and make this more interactive. That would be amazing as well. Mm. Yeah, good point, man. And also in our, our our complete dad network to get the questions going there. Guys, y'all check that out, man. Really, Joshua and I are super excited and really stoked for the group um, and getting the foundation build, of course. If First calls tomorrow. Call, you can sign yeah. up in a heartbeat if you want to. Make it for that call. Yeah. And I mean, the value that the guys are getting, I just got a message from the guy last night and he was like, he was so excited to get back in the group and stuff. He was like, oh, I need to act more cool. I'm like, he said, it. he told me, if you would sell me a woman's perfume that's got the complete dad, I would buy it. <laughs> so, so the work's getting done, man. Lives are getting changed and we're doing the work. And uh, so if you guys want to be part of this conversation with Josh and I, because these are the chats that we have in the group. And like Josh just said, it's always better to have it from you guys and hear from what you guys are experiencing. So if you feel like that, if you're feeling like you need a brotherhood, if you need community, if you need accountability, if you're lacking consistency in your life and you want people to be there for you and, and carry this load with you, we're there for you, dudes. So until next time, guys, keep on being the complete dad. Ciao.